This story he repeatedly told, and it was the kind of what you would might refer in modern times as a light bulb moment for him. That's the voice of Sandra Still Campbell, Clifford Still's youngest daughter. She put together an exhibition of her dad's paintings for the Clifford Still Museum. I'm Sarah Wombold. I'm the director of digital media here at the museum, and I've spent a little time getting to know Sandra in the weeks leading up to her exhibition. This podcast features stories and memories from Sandra's life with her father. Up first, a story from Clifford's childhood. This story starts in the early 1900s with Clifford's father, Elmer, at the family's farm in Alberta, Canada. And Elmer had hired a professional to come in and open up the well. It was just dirt pretty far down, and it clogged up, and he needed to bring a professional in and literally dynamite down to the water. And what happened is the dynamite did not go off. And it would, the guy wouldn't go down and relight the dynamite. So in frustration, I guess, uh, Elmer went in to the house and found his son tinkling on the piano. And he challenged him. I know that he wanted him to go down and do it, but Dad said it was a challenge. So he did. It was a very primitive well. It was nothing but ropes and pulleys. It just had shingles around the edges. Very primitive. He was hitched to the rope, and they lowered him down, I don't know, 40 or some feet, but it was to the point where it was hard to light a match. Very little oxygen down there. Very damp, very dark. Must have been terribly horrifying. We got it lit, and they pulled him up, and then Elmer and the professional patted him on the back like, oh, brave boy, and Dad just stood back and looked at them. He just waved them off. He walked away and just waved them off don't want to hear this. That was the ultimate moment of I don't matter to Elmer. The only child, the only son, and he was expendable for a well that he didn't have the courage to go down himself, which is what he should have done. I think contempt for his father came at that moment, the, the light bulb moment of, oh my God. He always said, I'm just free labor. Do you think Elmer resented his son for having artistic proclivities? Oh, absolutely. An artist in those days was looked down upon as, you know, bohemian and not a good person. Remember that Clifford was raised in a very religious community. It was very stifling. He wasn't allowed to play or do anything on a Sunday. Clifford spent his youth going back and forth between the homestead in Alberta and Spokane, Washington for school. His mother was a very talented pianist and taught Clifford how to play the piano. He much preferred cultivating his interests in the humanities over the labor of the farm. In college, Clifford wrote a letter to his friend and classmate saying, farming is for me a scarcely tolerable pastime. Accordingly, I am going to throw myself into art, painting to be specific, with a gusto that may prove me a genius or a rack. The farm will provide inspiration while I'm painting and nourishment while I'm not. Clifford pursued advanced art degrees in Washington State, a time which also included a few excursions for different opportunities in New York. At the age of 28, he married his first wife, Lillian. That same year, he started teaching at Washington State University in Pullman, which is where he met his second wife, Patricia, though he wouldn't divorce and remarry for another 18 years. 
Clifford's daughter, Diane, was born in Pullman. A year or two later, the family moved to San Francisco, where Clifford worked in the Bay Area shipyards as part of the war industry's effort during World War II. You were born in 1942, is that right? Yeah, Diane was born in April 39. I came in July of 42. Diane and I were very aware early on we were a burden. He admitted that he leaned over my crib and he looked at me and cute kid, but art comes first, has to come first. I have a job to do and I can't let you stop me. He, he would get very restless and claustrophobic if he couldn't go out and take a car across country. He, that's usually when he was restless. He was in and out of our lives, so when he came in, everything was centered around this imposing, intelligent, he hummed with energy and enthusiasm. He'd come in just about when we were ready to put him aside and forget him, you know, and then he'd show up at the door. And then it was, hallelujah, we have a father. The best day, he came and visited us, and I was probably still in the eighth grade. He got us up before sunrise. He had the Jaguar. Get up, girls, we're going to Coeur d'Alene Lake. So we grabbed our bathing suits, and in the dark, headed, headed east from Spokane. We parked outside a diner and waited for them to open. We napped in the car had pancakes for breakfast, and then we went down to the beach, and he indulged us all day. We headed home around two or three in the afternoon, all sunburned and happy. I don't remember more than that, but we knew it was all about us. It didn't happen often. And we just learned not to expect what kids want and needed. We just weren't gonna get it. But some of our high points in our lives were something he did very generous by his standards. I mean, it made a whole event of our first banana split. We even dressed up to go in this grubby little hole in the wall on Columbus Avenue heading towards Market Street. It had a counter and one or two booths. He made a whole big deal out of that. It was so much fun. We knew he was special. He wasn't an ordinary father. idea, thought, creativity, purpose, that's the world that mattered. And um, that was the exciting part. There was never a dull conversation. There were lots of silences. He'd paint way into the morning, uh, early hours, and he'd walk the railroads. Who am I? What am I about? What do I want to do? How do I make great art? He wanted his paintings to be able to hang in the Prado and the Louvre. He wanted to be able to keep company with those artists that he admired, the Rembrandts, the Turners, the Vasquez, Goya. It took so much isolation and concentration and physical and emotional energy. He just couldn't live with us for any length of time. He tried, he couldn't do it. It was too, too much for him. He was human. That's what I want to convey. He just had decided that somehow Drawing and images were terribly important to him. Diane wanted a daddy. Well, I didn't want that. I just wanted him around. I liked him for that energy. Life was more interesting, even scary, but it was more interesting. That's the end of chapter one. If you're listening in the galleries, 
Please return your headphones and pick up chapter two in the next gallery.